Hi, my name is Hero Bean Stevenson, and you're listening to the All of Us podcast, where we explore and embrace mental health through the simple act of honest conversation. Before we get into it, I'd like to mention that in sharing my personal experiences and insights, I do not claim to be an authority or expert on any of the issues that might come up in the discussion you're about to hear. These conversations include in-depth discussion around various mental health-related topics, the details of which may be triggering to some. So please take care while listening. Finally, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Before we begin, I'd also like to take a moment to thank and talk about BetterHelp, our first sponsor for the podcast. To be honest, I can't remember the first time that I went to therapy. What I do know is that since I was a little girl, it has been a consistent presence in my life, something that through my worst and best moments, I've been able to count on to provide me with support, guidance, and the feeling of being heard and understood. It's been an absolutely invaluable resource for me, and one that I believe everyone deserves access to, which is why I'm so excited to be partnering with BetterHelp as the very first official sponsor of this podcast. BetterHelp is an online resource that makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient so that anyone struggling with facing life's many obstacles or anyone who simply needs a space to be heard can get the support that they deserve anytime, anywhere. BetterHelp offers access to licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical social workers, and board-licensed professional counselors so that you can use BetterHelp with the comfort of knowing that your mental health is in highly vetted and trustworthy hands. Visit www.betterhelp.com slash allofus to receive 10% off your first month of counseling. Hi, welcome back to the All of Us podcast. It is Monday, March 28th, and this is episode 38. And today, we will be hearing a conversation that I recorded at the end of last year with the most beautiful Stella Banderas. She is the founder of Lightbound, a perfume company that she describes as having created with the intention of nourishing the three homes, the soul, the body, and the earth. And it's wonderful. It's a conversation about coming of age and formative years. Um, And I really didn't know how similar of an experience Stella and I have had until we came together to record this conversation and have this chat, even though I've sort of known of her for a very long time. She, like me, grew up mainly in Los Angeles and is somebody that I've known peripherally since high school. But yeah, we didn't really get to know each other until we came together for this episode. Um, so we talk about facing major deviations and embracing the unknown with grace and compassion for ourselves when we've needed it most. Um, It was a lovely conversation. It was so nice to talk about some of the harder years in in my life and in Stella's life um, in a way that we both sort of understood so well just because of how much in alignment we were without even knowing it. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between me and Stella. So I didn't know that you went to NYU and then didn't go to NYU and then went to USC I kind of just thought I because I knew of you in high school um sort of and then yeah I thought that you just kind of like went to USC right away but no I guess I I like really struggled with the whole figuring out college thing um looking back on it definitely should have gone to like a small liberal arts school yeah went to NYU I got there and I just had the hardest time adjusting to New York and I don't think I was ready to go to school and be away from home and it wasn't it just wasn't what I wanted to do and I had that's when like my whole anxiety journey started was there in the city and I didn't even I wasn't even there for three months like I I was barely there 
Okay. And then I came back home. Are you a year younger than me? What year did you go to New York? I graduated high school in 2015. Okay. Yeah. So you're one year younger. Yeah. Um, And what made you want to go to school in New York or think that that was a good idea? I really wanted to go to Gallatin. Okay. Um, I loved the idea of like, you know, making your own major and, and having it be super open and, and kind of not like within any sort of guidelines. I loved that. Um, and I just thought it would work for me. I had spent so much time in New York. This is why I like, I loved listening to your podcast because we had such similar, you spent a lot of time. Oh, yeah, I, I keep forgetting that you've, that I've like shared my, st- I always oh, yeah. forget like whenever I talk to someone, I like explain to them and people who have listened are like, yes, I know everything <laughs> about your I know everything about you. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just thought it would be easy for me to adjust and I wanted to be in the city. I didn't think I wanted campus. Yeah. Um, and I, I just don't think I was listening to myself. I didn't really know how to do that. And I just wasn't ready at all. And it like totally freaked me out. And I just started developing like really gnarly panic attacks and, and needed to come home and like be with my mom. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, of course. How did you, how were you able to tell, had you experienced a panic attack before school or did, was that sort of your first experience with it? No, I, I've always had anxiety, <laughs> um, just not to that level and not like when you're alone in a new city and suddenly you're an adult and you have to figure out like where your classes are and you don't know anybody and, and you don't know how to navigate a city and like everything just feels so new. Um, yeah, of course. But yeah, no, anxiety that has always kind of been, been around for me. And then, so you spent three months there. Were you, so it obviously was getting in the way of like your classes and for you sure. knew it was time. Yeah. How did you, because for me in dealing with, I was very obviously having a really tough time, but I had this sort of attachment to the idea of staying in New York and sort of like sticking with this plan. Because I always wanted to go to Barnard. I only applied to Barnard. Yeah. It was like my only thing. And so I really hung on until basically I had a fam. Destry's mom actually was like, you, ha- you have to go home. She was like a savior angel. And I mean, it had kind of been in a conversation with my mom um, and like close people to me, but it was Destry's mom that finally this like one winter break was like, oh, you won't be coming back. Like I will write them a letter and like explain like you're not coming back. And so she sort of like made this decision and like, or I guess hearing that in such a strong way, like gave me permission but I held on so hard like tightly to this idea and it was really jarring to just kind of like leave did you have a hard time making that decision yes and no I was asking my mom to fly out pretty much every weekend and my godmother and there was one point where my godmother came and she wasn't staying with me and she asked me to meet her somewhere and there were like all these parades going on this day in New York and I there was just so much overstimulation and I felt so disassociated from my body. And I just remember like walking down Times Square, I went to the wrong place. I was alone and I just had like a full blown panic attack in the middle of the city. I didn't know where I was and she had to come find me. And she was like, this isn't normal. Like, and it wasn't the city. It was, you know, whatever I was dealing with on the inside, but like just learning that I am a very sensitive person and trying to figure out how to like, balance all that stuff that's when it kind of came to a head and she was just like it's okay to go home so I texted my entire family in a group chat (laughs) this is probably really stupid to do and I wrote this whole long thing and I was like this isn't for me I need more time yeah half of them were like no you're finishing college you're not dropping out of school and the other half were like yeah like take some time off and and we'll help you figure it out it's not like I was dropping out, you know? Yeah. But. So you would, you left with a plan to, like, you were going to re-enroll in U.S. I thought I would go back to NYU. You did. Okay. That's the yeah. same with, I took a medical leave and then same. just never <laughs> went back. Um, so then when you moved back home, <laughs> did you take like a, you took a year off, you said? I, so I never finished the first semester. I got home and I just like spent time at home not really doing anything. And then I went to SMC because then I realized that I did want to transfer to USC. Um, so I, yeah, it was kind of a year off. Yeah. 
that's kind of how mine worked. I had a, I took a semester off, but it was sandwiched between winter, a winter break and then a summer break. So it was like nine months or something like that. Um, what did you do during your, you kind of said that you did like nothing, but what did that look like at home? I did a lot of therapy, like three times a week. (laughs) Um, And just like, I don't know, I had never not been in school. I had never like not done anything Um, and kind of just spent time with myself and tried to like, it was like a phase where I was constantly trying to figure out or find somebody to tell me what to do or like heal me in a way because Mm -hmm. it was scary for me to like leave my house. I would just have such bad anxiety. So I was like reaching out to healers and psychics and like, you know, energy workers constantly. And I kind of just spent my time exploring all of that and reading a lot and like just thinking about what I was thinking about. Yeah, totally. Did you spend time with other people or was that like a kind of alienating or not? That's the wrong. So I say that because when I came home and was like, I was living at my mom's house and like spending every day gardening with her and just like being at home. And it was interesting because I, so when you say you reached out to like all of these healers and I did the same thing. It was crazy. Like I truly like Shaman Durek and like every astrologer and every yeah, like wellness want someone pop- to be like this is what you need to do and this is mm-hmm. what's happening to you and yeah why. someone to be like this is your star chart like it is a hard time but like next week you'll be healed like yeah. I wanted anyone <laughs> um I got like so into meditation so I was doing all of these things that were like very wellness I was like moon juice lifestyle poster child like <laughs> got so into adaptogens and like all these meditation I was like really doing the things so yeah. hard So I felt in a way, like, I think I convinced myself that I was, like, on this radical path to healing. But in the process of that, like, it was even, like, my issue in New York, a lot of my issue in New York had to do with, like, isolating. Like, that was so much the root of a lot of my issues. And then as my issues got more and more intense, I isolated even more. So then in this, like, radical path to healing, I was doing the same thing just in a quote-unquote, like, healthy way. Like, it was for me. But that also was a huge issue because as much as I was like bettering myself, I guess, and every, people do need to like take the time alone to get to know themselves and like figure out what they want and like get healthy. Yeah. But doing that alone is like community is so important. It really so yeah, is. I was just wondering if you kind of went through the same, like it sounds like our, our thing was similar in terms of like yeah. what we did during our time. Yeah. Cause like at this time, all my friends were freshmen in college and they were making friends and like partying and doing the whole thing and I was (laughs) at home with my mom on a Friday night um my boyfriend at the time was at school across the country so I was in this like long distance relationship I didn't want to leave my mom's house I it was lonely for sure and I also think that like as much as I love and I'm into the spiritual and wellness world, too much of anything is not good for you yeah. and can lead you to too much thinking and too much like self-analyzation. And you get to a point where you think that you're like making yourself better because you know everything that's wrong and you're trying to figure out all these different ways to like heal these things that only you really know about. But sometimes you just need to go live and like yeah, go take a day and not think about, you know, all of your issues. Yeah. No, I so agree. I actually, I just talked about this in a podcast I did yesterday too, but there's a book that I read this summer by this doctor named Samantha Boardman. She's a psychiatrist and she wrote this book called Everyday Vitality. The whole sort of like crux of the book, I guess, is to like turn this idea on its head of like, if you want to get well and like have improved mental health, you need to go on this like eat, pray, love journey and like be silent and go off by yourself to like some like meditation retreat or like some sort of silent like yogic retreat. And she basically points to the fact that like in order to truly like attain mental well-being, like you need to do the opposite and like throw yourself into community and like reach out to your friends and like actively participate in the world because as much as like having a relationship with yourself is important too much. Like she kind of points to too much of what we were doing, which is sort of like going deeper into ourselves and, you know, becoming 
like so isolated, which is like just the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is something that I think is like so, so important. Did you though have, did you have like any self-consciousness around like having taken time away from school and like having your plan get derailed? Yeah. I just felt like this constant need to justify what I was doing and explain to people. And it was just, I don't know if you, I just felt alone because it, it didn't seem like anybody else was really experiencing those things. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Looking back on it now, I'm like really grateful that I, that I went through that. But I also think just back to like what we were saying, what brought me out was once I transferred to USC, I think it's just important to have fun too. Yeah. And that's like what I was preventing myself from doing was sitting in like my own suffering and, and trying to understand it without even like attempting to just be 18 or 19 at the time and like go have a good time because that that also helps a lot and starting college for me because I was a sophomore basically when I actually fully went into it it was just fun and it completely took me out of my head yeah because there's so many distractions and like so many new people and, and different things to do um yeah what do you feel like finally like what made you feel ready to go back to school and what sort of like do you think shook you out of whatever it is that obviously like the anxiety and all of that, that like you couldn't have gone, you couldn't have stayed in school. What made it like, okay. Like what things sort of like came into your life or like shifted for you that made you feel ready to resume with everything. I think about that a lot. I genuinely don't know. I think that with anxiety and I guess I didn't even really explain like what kind of things I was going through, but it was just a lot of like, disassociation I would convince myself that I was like dying all the time like feeling sort of like I was tripping on drugs I know that sounds crazy and I had never even no, it's like, totally. explored that before but I would yeah. look in a mirror and think like like I wouldn't recognize my own face and you know feel like I was totally out of my body and that would just send me into a spiral like oh my god I'm, I'm dying and I'm alone and no one's gonna know that I'm dying <laughs> it sounds crazy I mean I mean, you probably don't think it's crazy, but no, it totally um, makes sense to me. I that even still, some mornings I'll wake up and look at myself, and like I explained it not to like totally interrupt your thing. I wrote about, I journaled about it the other day, and I had woken up and looked at myself, and I like it felt like you know when you you're trying on clothing and you put something on and you're like this just isn't me, like it's not right. My face was like that. Like sometimes my body is like that. Like I'll look at myself and just be like this isn't me like this I need to like just take it off because it doesn't feel like me but then it's my face and body so there is no taking it off but yes I definitely weird what we do to ourselves yeah um but yeah I think that like I just kind of phased out of it and that's the thing with anxiety and depression and all of these things they just like are constantly changing for you and they could go away for a bit and then they come back as something completely different yeah that's like a blessing and a curse. Yes. I think time, it's kind of like, it's like with everything. It's like with like hormonal acne or like bloating or feeling like shit inside. (laughs) I think as much as you go into like wellness and having like the perfect routine and like all of these practices, sometimes like it's just going to come back like really bad and that's fine. But I think when you do feel when the good is like outweighing those negative things, you're kind of like ready to just go on your way. And sometimes you do just need to kind of like muscle through it. But yeah, I think time too is like the great healer. Like with my stuff, I definitely like had all these amazing resources of like healing and everything, but it didn't matter how often I was like seeing the therapist or how much I was like reading or whatever, working on myself. Like there was a certain time that like, I just wasn't happening. Like I just did not want to I couldn't get to the next step and I think time is really what what healed that yeah and that like at least it's easy to look back on this and think this but like you obviously went through that for a reason you know yeah absolutely in the moment it's it's nice to think of it in that way and just be like you know what I'm going through this for 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 something and I'll learn about that later on and like you just grow with it as much as because it can be scary and weird. 
completely so scary and so weird and so like indescribable yeah um yeah it's wild when did you start like thinking about because I think a lot of people go through what we've been both been through respectively and just kind of like consider it a chapter of their lives and don't even people who like go into healing obviously and like care a lot about getting well quote unquote but like then they just kind of like go about their lives and like don't like that chapter is closed what made you kind of like continue to think about your mental well-being because I do know that like it is something that I think you think is important obviously you like listen to a mental health podcast um and all of that so what made you sort of feel that it was an important thing to to keep thinking about and like putting energy toward I think just that like knowing that these things never go away and I want to get to a point where I'm not afraid of myself and and I think the only way to do that is to just like keep keep that in the back of your mind is like, I've gone through all these things. I will go through more things in the future. Yeah. Like never going to be like some sort of perfect, happy journey as much as we all want it to be. We're so afraid of being uncomfortable. And that used to freak me out so much, just being uncomfortable. So I think that like paying attention to every aspect of the journey is just important. Yeah. Yeah. I completely, I completely agree with that. And I love what you said about like not wanting to be scared of yourself or like frightened of yourself. I think that that's such a huge thing because I think we spend so much time now, like looking at other people and like feeling like somehow with like Instagram and all of that, like feeling like we're living, like we kind of are in a way, like living all these other people's lives along with them, like through photos and everything, like our brain is somewhere else. And we're spending less and less time like fully, whether it's by or by ourselves or like in the context of like a group of people or like in public, it's really easy now to not pay attention to yourself. And then when you're forced to, it's like terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. The social media thing's crazy. How, I, do you, how do you feel about it? I know that you like kind of, didn't you like, you weren't on it or you're like something. Yeah. I, I didn't get Instagram until... I went to USC. So I didn't have it in high school. I didn't like know. I felt like I was so much healthier (laughs) before just because my life was my life. I didn't know what anyone else was doing. Like, yes, I would look at my friends' Instagrams and like see what was happening. But like, it just, I think about that a lot because I I had so much more confidence, I think. because there was no influence of like all of these other ways of living and we're so inundated with just it's just too much overstimulation of like you know everybody else's lives and it's not healthy or natural because if you really think about it like the amount of people that we're exposed to on a daily basis is so insane and like too much for our brain to even process I just, I just still don't know how I feel about, I mean, I I feel strongly about it, but like in terms of actually, actually like participating in it. Yeah. I just find it really uncomfortable. And now that I have a business, it's necessary. I, I don't know how to like, that's the part that I don't know how to handle very well because I, I need to use it. And there's so much pressure from like, you see all these small brands just blowing up and like somebody will randomly start a business and all of a sudden like hundreds of thousands of people are following it and it feels like everybody knows about it. And not that that's important to me at all. Cause it's not, yeah. I don't care about the marketing or like I, the money is not the goal for me, but it's definitely hard to see how much effort has to go in to kind of making it in that area, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I have, as you've probably heard, like I talk about it to a crazy extent. Like I could talk about it forever because <laughs> um, I've had, like I got it in high school and then like didn't really think about it on like a meta. Like I didn't really consider like how it was affecting me. I just like took photos of like ice cream and yeah. like gardens and like put it in like a crazy frame and posted it and was like happy until – I don't really know when I started like more seriously thinking about it and in terms of like bigger picture, 
Um, but yeah, there were times when I would like delete it for a few months and then get it back. And then I would make these things like I would have it, but then only when I had something to upload, I would like, or to post, I would upload the app and then post it and then delete the app. And like, (laughs) I've done every iteration of having Instagram. Like I really have. And every time I do a certain way, I'm like, this is the way that it'll Mm -hmm. be healthy. Um, it changes all the time. I will say that in not having one and obviously like it's undeniably like sexy when someone doesn't have Instagram. It's like so mysterious. Yeah. It's like, wow. And I obviously, like, I don't really need it for myself. Like with the podcast has one and like that is very important, but like kind of not really also like podcast Instagrams aren't that important. I don't know. Like part of me thinks that I need it. Part of me is like, you literally don't need it at all. Like no one, you can do everything you're doing. Like by yourself, you're studying to be a therapist. Yeah. Like you just don't need it at all. But I will say that not having it in any way is kind of alienating. Like you really do meet, like connect with people on a, on like a, your network, I think expands when you do have it. And as silly as that sounds, like, especially as like growing 24 and five year olds who are like finding their way and like figuring out who our community of people are, it's important, I think, to be a part of the thing that like everyone is being a part of I know it's so hard it's because you find people that like you would love to be friends with and yeah we're doing something that's similar to you and that you would like you want to talk to them about but then also you get obsessed with their lives and like it's like oh this is the only story I would want to watch in the day then you're exactly even then that's is that healthy I don't know it's so weird but it is it yeah Right now, right now, my thing, I just discovered this past weekend, I saw my friend like try to check hers and it had, it was just like, she clicked on it and a white screen came up that said like time limit reached. And I figured out that you can set on your phone a time limit of how many minutes or hours you will allow yourself to go on it. And once you've reached it, the app just like won't let you see it. Does it actually, or can you like bypass? You can bypass it, but like. (laughs) You don't because yeah. there's it just I like, like is, yeah. So I think I did this like two days ago and I set a 20 minute limit for myself, which like seemed sufficient and has been. But yeah, yeah it's it's check really, in and like get all that you need. It's a tough thing, it really is. It's just crazy. Like, how because I'll find myself like looking at people that I don't like, I'll all of a sudden come to and I'm like looking at someone's <laughs> like random picture of like their dog or like something that like their friends and I'm like I don't know any of these people and they're all in like France like I yeah. don't know these people are like not in my life yeah. so that's the part that's like definitely very odd um so what did you study in in school what did you what did you want to study in Gallatin and then what did you end up studying at USC didn't I study I changed my major maybe five or six times yeah um, I also never finished USC okay. and graduate um, I'm still technically on a leave of absence, so I can go back. Oh, you I went back. Did you, so you went back on a leave of absence. So I left NYU, went to SMC, transferred to USC. I think at first I was a Spanish major because I'm half Spanish. Yeah. Should have just stuck with that. I should have just stayed with it. Then I switched to psychology. Or no, I started a psychology. Then I went to Spanish. Then I went to narrative studies which is actually really cool because it was kind of just like storytelling through whatever medium you want, which yeah. is what I wanted to do at Gallatin. And then I went to like English with creative writing emphasis. <laughs> and then I left. I think this was like right before the pandemic. And that was like five years in there, four years. And then I came back and did um, NGOs and social change. So I was like all over the place. I just never found exactly what I wanted to do. Sorry, my dog might bark. No, it's totally fine. I also just had to adjust myself because the sun was like blaring in. Um, this is a casual podcast. <laughs> There's no, just anything goes. Um, did that give you any kind of, because I know when I did school, I was studying art history the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And that's always what interested me most in school and academically. But then I'm now doing something so different. What are you doing? You're getting your master's, right? Yeah, I'm currently getting my master's. I'm getting a 
a master's in clinical psychology to be so, a therapist. And I'm current, I'm kind of considering going down like a PhD route because it just depends on if I want to do more research and writing. I don't ever want to teach. I'm not going to be a professor ever. Um, but the PhD would just be for conducting research and being able to write in a more sort of like serious way. But if I just wanted to be like a practicing therapist, for example, then I would just kind of stick with the LMFT degree, which is like, it's the, it's licensed, licensed in marriage and family therapy is what so, I'm currently on my way towards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But it's interesting because in school, like I studied art history, but my career ambitions were like constantly bouncing around. And I think that also caused anxiety for me because I saw these peers of mine like have their single track and they were like on their way to doing their thing. And I was constantly like just kind of bouncing. Did that sort of cause any anxiety for you as well? Yeah, for a long time. I just felt like nothing clicked for me and I had no like I mean, this is like the negative self-talk, but I was like, no, of course. no talent, no specific like passion that I had, no, you know, like destiny. Felt like everyone around me was like, oh, I'm going to be a musician and that's all I need to do or like be a, in the business world. And, and it felt like everyone was so committed to these ideas. And I'm like, I have so many interests and there's so many different things I want to do. Yeah. But having a major just made no sense to me because I'm, it, I just wanted to do everything. Did um, you like the reason I left? Because you are like obviously your family is like very much like in in like the entertainment industry. Did you feel any kind of like pressure, especially like growing up in LA and like then going to USC? Did any part of you feel like pressure to sort of conform to like that path or just like go on that path? If anything, I I kind of felt the opposite growing up. Um, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, you know, when you're little and your parents introduce you to another adult and they're like, the adult's like, yo, do you want to be a doctor like your dad? Yeah. Yeah. And I would always get that. Like, do you want to act too? And my parents would kind of just answer in a way that was like, oh no, she's, you know, she's really shy or she's smarter than us. Like, we don't, we don't think she's going to do that. And I'd be like, no, like, I don't want to act. So subconsciously, I think I, I taught myself that like my my purpose has nothing to do with like creativity or the movie business or anything like that. So for the longest time, I would just deny myself of wanting to explore that world. Mm. Um, and it like wasn't until recently that I realized, you know, it is a part of who I am and like what I love. Yeah. Um, so yeah, during school, it was not something that I that I really had in my mind at all. And now I'm like, yeah, I would love to, to be in that a bit more. That's amazing. Are you like currently sort of working towards getting into that? Yeah, more um, writing and directing. That's kind of more where my head is at. But yeah, it's funny how we like deny ourselves of, of you know, the things that actually interest us. Yeah, absolutely. It is something. And then I think it can be scary too. Like then finally, like it's so silly because like we are nowhere near like being able to consider any part of our life later in life. Yeah, Um, We're still very new here, but it is interesting like in a time when so many like actors, especially it feels like if you don't start at like five, you're kind of like doomed or something like that. Um, it's like definitely, I'm sure it can be scary to sort of like discover that like later, I guess. Um, yeah. And like you said, like coming from a family where the success is so loud. Yeah. Um, it's definitely more like self-inflicted pressure, you know, not from anybody else, but just like, oh, I need to do something that's important or like noticeable. Not that I actually feel that way, but that's kind of what, you know your head tells you. Yeah, totally. I'm sure too, though, there's like a thing of like, obviously you starting out in like the industry, like the entertainment industry, whether you're like writing or acting, like it's definitely going to garner some sort of attention more so than like somebody with parents who didn't do what your parents do would. And so is that sort of like visibility also like a daunting thing? Like I would imagine it would be like kind of like, I've talked to Destry about this a lot and that that sort of like attention can be a little bit, um, like just cause you to like pause, I guess, before 
Yeah, it's, it's inevitable though when you grow up with this. And I think that's why it scares me so much to like just be more out there or be more vulnerable because of like the associations I know will come with it. Um, yeah. What kind of associations do you feel like are you like afraid of? You know, they're just another, just another celebrity's daughter, like nepotism comments, all of that kind of stuff, which, you know, it's true. Like all of that does, there's, there's truth in all of that. Um, but it does make it scary to like want to kind of carve your own path because no matter what people will relate it all back to like where you came from and your family. Yeah, and absolutely. Kind of like it was super easy. Yeah. That is definitely such a giant misconception, I think. And also just an assumption of a lot of people and like a, I don't know, like an interesting thought process for like the general population that happens around like children of celebrity parents. Um, but yeah, I think that the more you, it's interesting to me that, and we'll talk about Lightbound. For me, in just what I know of it, it definitely, in how much it has to do from, like, I think, I think of it and I like see the way that you've kind of like birthed, like brought it into the world and the way that it's presented. And it very much seems like it's about like really having like self-reverence and like a relationship with yourself. And I feel like that being your focus will make all of those anxieties like easier to handle. Like, I think what you're doing is very much about like having a relationship with yourself. That's like really beautiful and, and intentional, I think. And I think that it'll definitely just kind of like, or it might already be doing so like make all of those like kind of scary life things that are going to happen as you continue to like become who you are a little bit like more graceful and manageable. Um, Yeah. When did you, so you started Lightbound last year or how long has it been? Because I know it came out like semi-recently, it became like available, but when did the whole concept start and what is it for people who don't know? Lightbound is a perfume brand, my perfume brand, Um, kind of founded on the idea of these like three homes that I sort of thought of, like the soul, the body, and the earth. and I'm sure you know this poem. There's a roomy poem. I think it's called The Guest House, where he kind of talks about like your emotions being some like visitors in your body. And I mm-hmm. liked the idea of thinking of like being a human being as something where you just have to take care of these little categories. Like yeah. just hold the body and the earth, because we're, you know, you're a part of all of that. So I wanted to make something that I mean, I'll get into like the fragrance aspect of it, but that yeah. sort of pertained to those three homes. Um, and I just grew up loving perfume and smells and my mom bought me my first perfume, you know, serendipity in New York. Yes. Restaurant. Yes. With the frozen hot, frozen hot chocolate. Yeah, of course. So I like grew up going there and they have a scent of the frozen hot chocolate. No And that way. was my first perfume. And I still wear it to this day, almost every day. Um, what does the bottle look like? I wish I had one. It's just like a plain little, I mean, I have it. I can go grab it. But it's just like a plain little amber looking bottle. But it smells like the frozen hot chocolate. It's the most incredible smell. And it's not too sweet. It's not like that fake, like, artificially sugary smell. I don't know. I know. Everyone remembers, like, the the Sephora, like, pink sugar smell. Or, like, the flower bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Or, like, the juicy one. I feel like everyone had that in middle school. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, she bought me that and I just started collecting them from that age. I was like 10 or 11. And she also has worn the same fragrance for 40 years. It's like this Cartier one. So I was kind of around all of these smells that felt really like defining for people. Um, And then my, I was brought to the scent bar, which is on Beverly. And it's like the most incredible perfume store. They just, it, everything is categorized by note. Mm. And I just like lost my mind in there. It was incredible. I found this one perfume that smelled like Semana Santa in, in Spain. It's Holy Week. It's this time. It's like Easter week. Um, and they burn frankincense in the streets there. And it just smelled like a cathedral in Spain. And I was like, this is just the most beautiful thing in the world. I want to be a part of it. So I started to try and like mix my own oils and do that at home. and then. 
realized I wanted to make a real fragrance and I brought it to this small boutique, um, this perfumist out in Westlake and we made it together and that was kind of like the start of it. But that was three years ago. Wow. It's been a long time. It's been a really interesting journey because I've just done, I, I did everything by myself except for like the literal creation of Alma, which is the, the scent. Yeah. Um, I did pretty much all of it. and So there's one scent right now? There's one scent. And what does it smell like? There's vanilla, there's chocolate. I wanted it to be a combination of those two worlds of like LA, my mom, her smells, the serendipity, and like Spain, which is where I was born and and also grew up. Um, And kind of that like sacred sort of religious smell. Yeah. There's frankincense, there's patchouli, sandalwood, chocolate, amber. It's so interesting though, because I mean, I smell it on myself every day, but like now that all my friends are wearing it, everyone, you know, it it smells different on everybody. uh, Fragrance does. It's so cool to see like what notes come out. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's sweet, but it's also like kind of musky and yeah. My mom, it's so funny. This conversation now is make it's like, it, I mean, I've loved the entire thing, but this is making me so happy right now because I recently, I've always had a deep fascination with fragrances, but I, in like the last month, it's just been like a very transitional, like crazy time, um, positive things, but like just a lot. Yeah. And something that has helped me like get through all of it has been like, I, one of the things that I like got really obsessed with in this crazy time. And I think it was like a coping thing. I don't know, but I like became obsessed with finding like my perfect smell, which I did yeah. and I have it. And now I'm like very happy, but what is it? I'll tell you, but my mom, okay. the thing about my mom is, so she always, I, when I was growing up and even still, so she's obsessed with like churches and cathedrals and like basilicas. And like, whenever we travel anywhere like we'll go into churches and she always cries and it's like this big thing <laughs> but she mom. and she like lights like the copal and like mm-hmm. frankincense and all of that in the house and so she smells like that and so we, and then also patchouli was a really big smell for her growing up and so she smells like churches and patchouli and musk and also like she's I don't know so all of what you said you're like you relate to like your mom smells I was like yeah. oh, literally Lorianne's my mom smells um, but so my perfect smell that I found is this smell by Frederick Mall, who, mm-hmm. do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. So his grandfather did like all the Dior smells. He was like a very yeah. iconic perfumer. And then he, I think that that perfume, like Frederick Mall and his grand, like that perfume house, I guess you would call it. Like they're very famous for creating like non-organic scents. So instead of things trying to mimic like I don't know, like tuberose or jasmine or rose or lavender or something like that, or even like musk, they're more complex. And like a lot of them have to do with like skin contact smells. So like the description, instead of being like a whiff of like whatever in spring, it'll be like, it's the smell of like lovers skin touching and like an embrace and all of that. So I listened to a podcast that he was on and this was like a week and a half ago and became like obsessed. I was like, I have to go. And they have a store on Melrose Place. And so I went in and I had these ideas just based on like things that sounded sexy for me. And then also like a scent that like a past like romantic partner of mine had worn. And so they were like, what do you want to smell like? And I, all of these things were like, oh, like I want to smell like musky and warm and sexy and woody and like kind of like leather notes and like just I said all of these things that just sounded like very sexy and like intimate and beautiful and I would take these samples and smell them on myself and I was like this is great but it doesn't smell like it doesn't go well on my it's not like connecting with my skin well it just doesn't make sense and then I went for like three days because it's next to where I do this workout class (laughs) so I would like go to my little workout class and then go there and like smell everything for like a long time and then on the third day this guy who's kind of like a perfume sommelier was like, you're going to not like the description of this perfume, but after like seeing the way you move through the world and like interacting with you for three days now, this is going to be your perfect smell. And I was like, what is it? And he goes, oh, it's the scent is lilac and 
um, cucumber and linen and wheat. And I was like, that sounds not like what I want to smell like at all. And the smell is called en passant, which is in French means in passing, I think. And it's so good. I wish you could smell it. I want to smell it. It's perfect. We'll get together and I'll, I'll let you smell me. But yeah, it's, it's the perfect smell. And it's just made me feel such like a deep sense of connection to myself during this time. Like the way that I put it on and the way that I'll like smell myself throughout the day. Like it just is so amazing. Like I've, I feel like everyone who I've spent time with thinks that I'm like crazy or like having some sort of like yeah. mental break. Cause all I can talk about <laughs> is this like lovely perfume that I found and they're like, great, you smell nice now. Like it's not no, that it's big of a deal. And I'm that. like, no, it's spiritual. <laughs> it's like, it's magical. Cause it also, there's something about like the act of smelling something that just puts you in the present moment, but also sends you to the past. It's like this really weird yes, combination is. of like, of, of all time kind of in one little moment. That's why I love it so much. Like every single day when I spray the serendipity, I, I know it'll make me feel good. I know I will be happy. Yes. There's just something about it that like just triggers all these emotions. And that's why I was so excited to, to do light bound because I, I really want to like give that to other people. Yeah. Um, did you ever think about like when you were having your anxiety and dealing with panic attacks and all of that, did you ever think about like, or use aroma therapy or did you think about that as like a practice that could aid in what you were dealing with? Or do you think about it now? Yeah. I mean, at the time, I guess it was probably something that I like tried to explore I was probably spraying I talk about my mom a lot and during this podcast. oh I, I was spraying every, I, her perfume yeah. to just like feel at home yeah yeah it's it's beautiful how it can give you that yeah it's so amazing I think it's it's yeah and I think also people because aromatherapy has become such a big thing but I think people think a lot of the time it had you have to have like a diffuser that like puts mist into your room and like there's this like limited range of smells it's like lavender or yeah whatever and like you it doesn't have to just be like something that you buy at Erewhon or like (laughs) some sort of spa experience like it can be a serendipity perfume that you got when you were 10 like it doesn't have to be something so sort of like specific and like cliche I guess in terms when you think of aromatherapy like my random little perfume that I found for me it like does the perfect thing yeah. um are you if you can like explore if you like look at the ingredients in yours or the notes and kind of research if there were any like uses for healing yeah specific oh, I haven't, like, I haven't thought about that. obviously it's used as I don't know if lavender is what you said but you know used for calming anxiety and and things like that it makes sense. There's yeah, it's lilac, which I've never really smelled anything with lilac in it before, yeah. but I love it. And then it's cucumber and wheat and then linen, whatever that is. <laughs> I don't know like where you would get you can't like extract oils from linen, but from linen, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Are you planning on making other other yeah. scents? Yeah. Um I want to do two more as like the foundation one that, cause Alma is the first one and that means soul in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pertains like to the soul home. Yeah. I want to do one for the body and one for the earth. And then from there, I don't really know, but like, what do you dream of those other two sort of like smelling like and being like, Hmm. Body can be difficult just because it can get like <laughs> gross. If you're thinking of like, what does a human smell like? But um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know yet. I haven't like spent too much time dreaming that up with earth one. I really want it to be something that's like kind of soil inspired, like, yeah. like you're in a garden. Um, when I think of that, I think of like being in Colorado, which is where I spent a lot of time growing up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and those kinds of like warm, mountainy smells yeah absolutely wildflowers and dirt and yeah it's so funny I never really read a lot of like descriptions of perfume until my little obsessive moment (laughs) my journey that I've been on but I was smelling one for a while that um I really loved it ended up being like a little too strong for me but that I hadn't read the description until like a few days into like putting it on myself and the 
and it makes sense because I like love horses and I've always spent time like outside with horses. And the description was um, soil that had been um, like under hoofbeats. How is that that. a scent? It's like, yeah, the scents were like grass, like freshly chewed grass and hoofbeats on soil and hay. And it smelled so good. Yeah, we'll have to go on a perfume smelling. Yeah, you need to, we'll go to Scent Bar. Mm hmm. Because yeah. it's, it's just incredible in there. It's so fun. There's a really good company, too. There's two. I'm sure you know Replica. They do, like... No, I don't. Yes, Replica, yes, yeah, yeah. I've right? seen it. Um, it'll be, like, Los Angeles, Santa Monica Pier, 1999. And yeah, I've seen it. moments. I love that. And then DS and Durga is really good, too. They have one that's called Concrete After Lightning, I think. And it just smells like wet concrete, like the the blacktop in elementary school, like what it would smell like after, after it rained or like Big Sur after rain is one of them too. Oh, it's really beautiful. I love grounds. the whole world of, of it's scent. So cool. It's like so cool. It's so amazing. Weird. And it's like addicting too. You like get deeper and deeper and it's just like yeah. fantastic. Um, what, so I guess like kind of to wrap up, I would love to ask you about what your sort of self, what your self-care practices look like now. Um, and yeah, just how you sort of, how you take care of yourself and how you engage in, um, in caring for your, your body and spirit and, and all of that. I feel like it's changed so much. I mean, I just spent three months in Spain. I was working with my dad. Um, so I like just got back to LA last week and I feel like, so oh, wow. like haven't had a second to sort of honestly take care of myself. Yeah. But like as of now, it's kind of just spending time making my new home because I just moved into this apartment and like really want to make this it week. Very last week, yeah. Oh, when you first got back. Oh, I, so this like, is a big transition. <laughs> a lot has a lot has changed. Yeah, um, but yeah, like just taking the time to sort of honestly decorate, like figuring out how to make a space really cozy for you and that's what I've been doing every day and it feels really good and I'm trying not to like what we talked about earlier like think too much of think too much about my own thoughts and like self-analyze just kind of be present and tangible with my items (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. I think that's amazing I think it all it's like so beautiful how everything sort of wraps up because I think just in like what you've dealt with Um, it has so much to do with like going so far in yourself and having all these like internal like dialogues and self and like negative self-talk and and criticism and anxieties and it can all be so sort of like crippling and I think with what you're doing now and like what you're creating and just moving into your new space it's so much like real world like you're interacting with the world around you um, in such like a sensory amazing way and that's like the number one I think sort of like antidote to go dealing with those like internal struggles and obstacles and um, things that can be just like so overbearing. I think just like being free and interacting with your space or like a smell on your body is just, it's the way to do it. Totally. Yeah. Well, it looks beautiful. like what scent is. Thank you. It looks beautiful in there. Really weird ottoman yesterday from this vintage store. Um, yeah, just trying to like pick out pieces that I that I really love. Well, it looks so stunning and serene. Your dog is obviously like. Yeah. <laughs>